Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast episode nine, the Robbie Gold edition. This is a victory Monday podcast that you'll hear on Tuesday. Uh, the 49ers are victorious in week one, 44, I'm sorry, 41 to 33 against the Detroit Lions. They squeak one out, which was uh, much closer than it needed to be by all accounts. And the 49ers did not come out of this game unscathed. A couple injuries to talk about here in a minute. But as always, I'm Javi here with Leo Luna. Uh, this is the Niners Nation podcast. Make sure you check out everything at Niners Nation Podcast Network on Twitter. And then, of course, just follow all the other podcasts that are a part of this network. Leo, what is going on, buddy? The San Francisco Giants are, from what I can read on Twitter, are having a home run derby. Uh, what's going on with you, buddy? Yeah, they are. They're just, uh, you know, put up five runs in the first inning in a bullpen game. So that's always a positive, uh, you know, thing to do when when it's literally a bullpen game and you're just going to have to bring your arms in, arms out. No one's going to be able to get hot at, at one point in the game and give you five innings. But more importantly than baseball, it's football season officially <laughs> had victory Monday today. Felt great. Like everything that happened last year just feels like it's officially in the review mirror. We talked so much about this season. We anticipated so much about this season. And the 49ers actually came out and dominated for about, you know, uh, three and a half quarters. We'll get into that. Yeah. But that's what felt so great is because we felt so much hope talking about this team for as long as we have, which felt about two years worth of an offseason, considering this whole new quarterback, the trade up to go get the quarterback, um, all that whole saga. And hey, now we're here one and oh, undefeated. And let's uh, hope it stays that way. Niners are one and oh, they will be going into Philadelphia for week two, but they are going to Philadelphia uh, with two. Major injuries. Jason Verrett gone for the year with a torn ACL and Raheem Mostert with uh, some cartilage cartilage issues in his knee. I'm not really sure how to uh, define it or say it, but either way, Mostert will be out at the very least eight weeks of the season. So he will be going on to IR and uh, Jason Verrett, unfortunately, his second ACL tear in his NFL career. Add that to an Achilles tear and other issues with uh, his health overall. So first of all, um, you feel for a guy like Jason Verrett. He's battled back through the first ACL, the Achilles. He comes back in San Francisco uh, in 2019. He has his bad or poor game uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we don't see him again until 2020. And he had a resurgence. He was back, looked like the Jason Verrett of old and fought his way all the way back to get right. And unfortunately, like some guys, their body just can't hold up and doesn't respond. Um, it is unfortunate. It sucks. I hate to see it for a guy like Jason Verrett, who was emotional immediately as he hit the ground. He knew it. I think the rest of the 49er fan base knew it. I know I knew it. I was like, that's it. Non-contact, grabbed the knee. I was like, man, this might be it for Jason Verrett. If it is, if it is, if it, is it for Jason Verrett, it's going to be one of the greatest what if stories if this man would have stayed healthy elite traits elite ability just unfortunately could not remain healthy and uh, i hope for a speedy recovery for jason rep if this is the last we ever see of him at the very least he did give the niners one really good year it just sucks i think that's the thing i hate the most about this is that the whole enigma of 
okay, yeah, Jason Brate's great, but is he going to stay healthy? And the fact that literally week one, he goes in there and he has a season-ending injury. It's not like something that's going to sideline him for two, three weeks, or even two months. Uh, that's the thing that just sucks that you feel for the guy the most. is You could see the talents there. Whether you put him in man, whether you put him in zone, he's a hybrid outside corner. It does not matter the scheme. He could do it all. And uh, just to see him go out there and and get injured and him try to even walk it off to the locker room just shows how much this guy just really really wanted it and it was to the point where he just started crying and he needed assistance to the locker room and I was like yo cut the camera like take this camera off of Jason Brett right now we don't need to see what this guy's going through to me someone I'm close to is Jamar Taylor who was on this team last year and that's what it kind of felt like when Jamar Taylor was getting taken to the locker room after his, you know, ACL injury and and seeing the emotion he had, which was a comeback season, put it on tape. And that's what Jason Bright essentially did. And now Jason Bright's going to be a year older going into the offseason, coming off an ACL. And man, you don't like this guy deserves a $10 million contract and he's probably going to end up with like another $2 million one and. And then when he still gets that $2 million contract, he's still going to have the burden of, well, can he stay healthy? <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah, you root for guys like uh, Jason Brad. So he's a, you know, high character guy, upstanding human, you know. He just, you know, he felt like a Niner to me, right? Like he was, he fit the mold of what the Niners are looking for um, and did everything right. Um, another one that sucks, Raheem Mostert missed eight games last year. He's going to miss another eight games at the very least this year with the cartilage issue. Um, look, you and I can be critical of players, right? That's, that's allowed. You can, you can be critical, objectively critical of players, but there is no room on this planet for fans to DM, tweet at players, hateful disgusting things. So those those folks who are out there who are tweeting or DMing Raheem Mostert's wife or Mostert to go kill himself and all this other nonsense, you guys aren't a positive representation of the fan base. Now, whether you are the Niner, whether it was Niner fans or fantasy football fans, it's just unnecessary. These people are human beings first. You want to criticize the player and his play on the field? Go right ahead, but do not tell someone to go kill themselves you know, say say whatever it is that you were saying. It's just unnecessary. Raheem Mostert's an upstanding human being, a solid representation of this 49ers roster. It's unfortunate he's hurt again because he's a valuable piece to this 49ers roster, right? He's valuable in the run game, valuable in the pass game. He has really good reps from the pass protection. You know, he's he's a valuable piece. There's a lot of folks out there who don't think that he is that, but he really is because he, he gives you that ability to run this outside zone and you get teams running one way with the outside zone. And then you come right back with a Jimmy Garoppolo bootleg and things are wide open. He helps set up a lot of stuff for this offense to work and run efficiently. And it just sucks that he's hurt again. Um, Luckily for the Niners, they are deep at running back, but another tough one for the 49ers. It just, yes, the Niners won yesterday, but those are two big losses. The thing is like, are you even a football fan if you have to get online and say those things? Javi, you're in the car business. It, it, you know, it's 
that's your profession. With these guys, they're an NFL player. That's their profession. Car business is how you put food on the table, how you put clothes on your kid's back. Him playing football, that's how he puts food on the table. That's how he puts clothes on his son's back. Yet, for whatever reason, fans feel like it's okay to send these threatening messages as if it means anything. It realistically means nothing. That's like you going to one of your salesmen and, and telling them, oh, you're whatever. I'm I'm not even going to go there, but just you going to one of your salesmen and saying derogatory things to him, personal things to him. It's that person is not going to, you know, want to work for you, not going to want to be there and, you know, not going to basically want to give it his all. But yet fans want players to give it their all but also say these derogatory things to them. It makes no sense. Raheem Moster is a running back that has averaged 5.7 yards per attempt in his career with Kyle Shanahan. So that dates back to 2017. No running back in Kyle Shanahan's 49ers offense since 2017 has even averaged five yards per attempt in a single season. I'm not talking about in his 49er Shanahan career like Raheem Mostert. I'm just talking about give me a single season. No other running back has been able to get even five yards or 5.7 in a single season. The closest guy to that is a Matt Breida. And I'm pretty sure we can all agree that Raheem Mostert is an upgrade over Matt Breida. Literally, other than Raheem Mostert, doesn't get better. Like, Do these fans want to go back to a, a Alfred Morris? Like, do do we want to go back that route? Do we want to go back to a Sean Drone yeah. at the running back position? Keep Raheem Moster on this team. I want to see him here for as long as he, he can possibly be in the NFL. Uh, let's just appreciate what we got and understand the, these guys are putting their physical bodies on the line. Uh, yeah. We should appreciate that a whole lot more and just, you know, take this whole derogatory uh you know, bashing at, out of the fandom and it'll, it'll mean a whole lot more. And maybe we could become closer as a sports world. You can be objectively critical, right? Be objectively critical, say your piece, but there's no reason to be disrespectful. So, yeah. you know, I, I hate this. I hate that this sounds like a lecture, but I just found that to be very disgusting. I hate to start the show on such negative stuff, but another piece of news that we didn't write down before we started talking, Leo, uh, Paris Harrelson, Former 49er linebacker passed away today, age of 37. Um, no cause of death has been released, but the 49ers put out a statement, Dante Widner and several other teammates of um, of Paris Harrelson, you know, tweeted out some heartfelt images and, and, and uh, just some tweets. I spoke to Adam Snyder a little bit ago. Adam was, uh, he said, this one stings. He was a very good person and a very good friend. Um, so prayers out to Paris Harrelson and his family. May he rest in peace and may his family find peace through all this unfortunate um, out of nowhere news. You know, I'm 35 years old, man. It puts life into perspective. You know, 37 is way too young, way too young. Yeah, it's um, the details weren't released and the details shouldn't be released. This is, you know, one of those personal things. Keep it in house. Whatever the the incident was that we lost him way too early. Uh it's just really unfortunate. And like you said, it just, this is one of those things where it just shows you how quick life goes. I remember this guy as a young 49ers player 
that got drafted in 2006. And now we're here talking about his passing, uh, what, 15 years later. So very unfortunate. And I hope everyone close to Paris Harrelson can find some, you know, sympathy with, and, and, you know, and feel some peace with, with this unfortunate loss. That was way, way, way too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so rest in peace to Paris Harrelson and may his family be, you know, and keep their family in your thoughts and prayers. Um, let's get to some, let's get to this game. 49ers did pull this one out. 41, 33 is a lot closer than you and I expected. It was a lot closer than most people expected. Um, so let's, let's start with some positives or the, you know, let's start with the not so good. So let's get there and then end the show in a positive. The not so good, the 49ers run defense was absolutely atrocious. Um, this goes back to stuff I've kind of felt, I've thought privately. I absolutely hate the wide nine. I didn't like it in Philadelphia with Washburn. I don't like it in San Francisco. I've never liked it in San Francisco. The best part about this Detroit team was their offensive line, right? They have a decent offensive line, so they're going to be able to run the ball. And you're going out there with this wide nine set on first and second downs, and you're allowing these chunk after chunk after chunk plays. D'Amico Ryan, you got to make an adjustment here. You know, pinch this line down, do what the Niners were doing at the back end of 2020 with this defensive line with less talent on it. You know, Kerry Hyder and and uh, Jordan Willis and and whoever else was out there. Um, last year, they were being able to stop the run. Um, the Niners needed to make an adjustment, and they did not. Right, Contavious Street was blown off the ball quite a bit. Zacher had some really good, had some good reps, but he also had some bad reps. You got to be able to to pinch down and make those adjustments. I saw a whole bunch of Kinlaw's a bust. Kinlaw's this. Kinlaw's that. Guess what? The Niners missed Javon Kinlaw. So if he's so much of a bust, why did they miss him so much? That's what he, he was a better run defender than DeForest Buckner. That, that, those, these are, that's where the difference is here with those two. Um, I would like to see a lot less wide nine going forward. I hope D'Amico and, and, and Chris Cusera can figure this out and stop with this stuff, especially on the early downs. You want to run, run, you want to run the wide nine, run it on third and eight, run it on third and nine when you know a team has to pass the ball, not on these early, early down sequences. It just didn't make sense to me with this run defense. And you're asking your linebackers to fill holes. They're getting sucked up with the misdirection. It just seemed like there was a whole bunch of miscommunication with this defense. Yeah, and the most of the damage was in between the left tackle and the left guard. And they the Detroit Lions actually picked up three carries of 10 yards plus on that. Usually against a team like the 49ers, that's the seventh ranked defense last season, you'd be lucky if you got one 10 yard carry in that left guard uh, to left tackle hole there. They got three in this one single game. So yeah, you put Javon Kinlaw in there. Everyone thought Javon Kinlaw was going to be a better pass rusher than, than run defender because that's what the numbers said at South Carolina. He came to the NFL and we all quickly realized this guy is pretty talented uh, defending the run he he's pretty quick he's more athletic than guards and he's more athletic than your traditional defensive tackles in there and if you're playing this wide nine defense you're going to need two middle linebackers that can scrape off of blocks and the 49ers have one 
And with Dre Greenlaw, he's got to learn how to scrape off those. And and that's kind of when you watch the film on Dre Greenlaw, that's where he needs to probably develop the most. Ignore his his coverage standpoint. I think it's decent enough for an inside backer. Not everyone is a Fred Warner, a Bobby Wagner in coverage. I think he's decent enough, but where he can truly, truly advance as an inside linebacker is he just got to learn how to scrape, get skinny, like we've seen Fred Warner do before in the past, and just dodge those blocks or just set up those blocks for your next attack, your next move as an inside backer. And that's what Dre Greenlaw is lacking at the moment. And like I said, it's going to be really, really tough to continue to run this wide nine if you don't have a Javon Kinlaw there at defensive tackle, and if you only have one linebacker that could scrape and get skinny and avoid those blocks from the usually the interior offensive lineman that's going to come in and get to the second level there. Yeah, the, the, man, I think that was the most frustrating part outside of that fourth quarter, just the run defense. It's, you know, you, you're missing Kinlaw. We talked about the combinations yeah. with the defensive line. They need to figure out how to make these in-game adjustments and D'Amico's going to learn on the fly. And I kind of, I kind of expected a little bit of a regression. I hadn't expected it to look like that, especially with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Um, Jamal Williams has been dominated when he played the 49ers in the past, when he was on green Bay and it, yeah. they've had Matt LaFleur as OC, not, not Musgrave as OC. So it's like they had a legit OC in green Bay. They still do despite only putting up, what, three points this past Sunday against Jameis Winston. But it's like Jamal Williams is, is not some star running back to go ahead and have two 10-plus carries in between the left guard and, and left tackle and, and just basically look like a Pro Bowl running back. That's That shouldn't happen. But honestly, it's if you subtract that and add in Javon Kinlaw, I, I think it's less about D'Amico Ryans at that point. Yeah, so... Let's see here. Jamal Williams, 9 for 54, and DeAndre Swift, 11 for 39. In all, the Niners allowed 24 carries for 116 yards, a 4.8 a clip. It doesn't sound that terrible. but it's, uh, Yeah, it's the chunk place. Three carries is 10-yard plus, one of them being a 20-yard yeah. carry. It's the chunk. Yeah. And they're, they came at the most inopportune times, right? Second and long, a third and long. You know, those those things, that, that matters in the in the, in the – the game flow, right? Like you can't have those things happen. Um, so, you know, they got to clean that up and they're going to need to clean it up, especially with Jalen Hurts come. They're going to be playing Jalen Hurts next week. Miles Sanders, the Eagles do have a decent offensive line. Regardless of how I feel about the Eagles, they have a good offensive line and a decent run game. And Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback, much more mobile than Jared Goff. So that run game needs to get cleaned up and figured out. The other not so good, we talked about it with Jason Verrett's injury. But the secondary, not good. Outside of Diamond or Lenore, no one was very impressive in coverage. Yeah. Tony Ward, Kwaski, do they things usually. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking Dante Johnson to take meaningful snaps in a game, Mm-mm. we're going to be in trouble because mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone paid attention. The Rams look really good. Seattle has really good wide receivers. And DeAndre Hopkins exists. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out what we're going to do at corner. The 49ers did sign Drake Kirkpatrick today. Uh, he was in for a visit early in the offseason, tried out, did a workout. They were impressed. They didn't come to an agreement at that time, but now he's in there. And uh, David Lombardi did tweet out and put in his article that the 49ers had expressed some interest in 
Cam Dantzler of the Minnesota Vikings. Nothing has come of it, but it is something to monitor as we go forward the rest of this week. And the team is also maintaining an open dialogue with Richard Sherman, who remains unsigned. So the Niners are looking. They are in the market. They are trying to correct this cornerback room. I think you <laughs> this is this is something that could have been, you know, addressed in what, March, April. Draft day. So it's uh <laughs> hell even June, July, and uh, and now we're just sitting here still talking about the weakness of this team, which is the cornerback position. You're someone who's been, you know, adamant about drafting one early, uh, day one, day uh, day one mainly. They did get one day two, but they got the wrong guy day two. I would have liked to seen them trade up for a guy like uh, Paul Sanadibo, who actually got an interception this weekend and didn't go too far up from uh, from what Thomas did out of Michigan when the 49ers selected him. But yeah, it's like I want to say, oh, it's they got Josh Norman coming in and they'll be fine. But it's that's not the case. Josh Norman isn't the 2015 Josh Norman. And then Drake Kirkpatrick, yeah, he's coming in. But is he going to be available this week? I I would say not likely, considering that Josh Norman wasn't available on Sunday. And Drake Kirkpatrick, he has looked better in zone last season than in man. The 49ers, for whatever reason, ran more zone on Sunday, which we were probably expecting a little more. Hated it. But... Um, so, like, there's some fit there if he continues to play at a high level uh, in zone. I'm talking about Drake Kirkpatrick because last season he only had a 66 passer rating against two interceptions, no touchdowns given up, which is, you know, pretty impressive. But then you look at the game logs and and or the tape uh, especially and look what he did against the Seattle Seahawks. It was ugly. It was targeted 20 times. Gave up 17 catches, gave up what, like 166 yards in in receiving and two touchdowns, no interceptions, no pass breakups. And the Seahawks did whatever they wanted against a Drake Kirkpatrick. And based off week one, it looks like the Seahawks may have a better OC than they've ever had there under a Russell Wilson era. So that's going to enhance the challenge for Drake Kirkpatrick against those guys. Um, yeah, there's a problem. There's a problem. I don't know if there's any in-season fix at the moment. This is kind of going to be one of those where you're just going to have to just scrub and, and hope it doesn't pop back up and continue to scrub, 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 and hope that nothing, you know, dirty pops back up from it. I wouldn't mind if they brought back Richard Sherman, but I think at this point they got to see what's going to happen last thing they want is to come into an agreement with Richard Sherman and then have them end up on the NFL's exempt list that and then they would have to go ahead and sign somebody else on top of Richard Sherman yeah. now you're allocating your minimal cap room that you already had which was only seven million dollars to enter the season and now you essentially gonna have to spread that around two corners than just one We'll see. Just, hey, no more injuries. Let's go ahead and get Emmanuel Mosley back. And if Emmanuel Mosley's back and they are running this more zone, then that fits Mosley as well. So we'll we'll see what happens from there. But, yeah, this is just one of those, what is it, the, the flex seals where you see that meme <laughs> where he has the little flex seal cut out and he just slaps it on and says, hey, it's fixed. Um, that That's essentially what this situation is when they sign Josh Norman and when they sign Drake Kirkpatrick. I am hopeful 
that this Cam Dancer thing comes to fruition. I like Cam. I like them. I did. I think Minnesota was, just, you know, Minnesota's just Minnesota. Look what they are on defense. I, I, you know, sometimes it is you get placed in in a bad spot, and I think that's kind of the issue with Cam Dantzler. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's over six foot and ran like a six, or excuse me, and ran like a four four forty. Correct? Yeah, he was in that range. Um, I'm going to the Vikings website right now as we speak just to check out Cam's numbers here, but. I think you and I and others expressed that the Niners needed to either take a wide receiver or a corner in round two. This Aaron Banks thing that's right now looks like a whiff. Trey Sermon missing uh, week one, healthy scratch, and then Kyle giving his BS answer about, yeah, he was the third best running back in the room when you had him playing first-team reps against the Raiders and Vegas and then the Chiefs. So which is it? Something happened here. There's a disconnect there. Um, And then, of course, Trey Lance is not starting. So your first three picks aren't providing you anything of value right now when you should have probably drafted a corner in round two. I know I was excited about the Aaron Banks pick, and I did like the Sermon pick, but we all knew that your cornerback room was thin, very, very thin. And I understand the whole... We value pass rush over coverage, and pass rush is tied to coverage. But also, there's there's a, there's a factor in here that coverage is also tied to pass rush too, right? You still need one corner. You still need something at the cornerback position. 2019, the Niners were successful, yes, because they had a good pass rush, but they also had Richard Sherman. Whether him shutting down his third was based on reputation, his play, his smarts, it still happened, right? The Niners don't have anyone that anybody fears. Diamador Lenore, yes, he had a really nice game, but it was the Lions. You know, no one's really worried about Quintus Cephas and Tyrell Williams. What you might be worried about is Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager next week. Then you got Devontae Adams a week after that. And then you got DK and Lockett and then Hopkins. Like, the gauntlet of wide receivers is coming up. And if you can't get to the quarterback fast enough, Hell, you're going to really? be in trouble. Philly, look at there. Devontae Smith is really good. It looks like Jalen Rieger's turned a corner. I think he took a tunnel screen to the house. I, I think that was the play I I, I saw. He did. I did. Yeah. So he took a tunnel screen to the house, and and Philly's got some targets. They you know they also got the the two weapons at tight ends as well. So you know it they're not essentially going to be a walkover from a receiving corps standpoint like they were the past two, three, four years. It's just frustrating. And they, I, I kind, I hope they do this. I hope this Cam Dancer thing comes out because, yes. look, the Vikings' um, cornerback depth chart: left corner Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander, Harrison Hand; right corner Rashad Breland, Chris Boyd, and Cam Dancer. Like Cam's buried on the depth chart. Why? What happened? How do you go from CB one last year for this team to CB six? Minnesota's toxic. At this moment, Minnesota's toxic. They need a. They need a new head coach, man. It's it's just they they need something different there. And I would love a Cam Dantzler. I, I looked it up. He had one of those COVID 40s is what I was referring to when all of a sudden everybody was running a sub 4-4 when they were performing it at their school on pro days. So he had a 4-3-8 on, on his pro day. So I don't know how accurate that is. But it's also like, what do you see on tape? Is he getting burnt buys? Is he, you know... Is he getting burnt by a guy that clocked in at a four or five, or is he keeping up with the guy that clocked in at a four or four? 
Um, so it, it also depends on tape because anyone could, you know, look better than what they are in, in shorts and a T-shirt. D'Amico's got to fix this. He has the keys to a Ferrari. Don't crash it. Let's get back to what we know this defense can do. Sunday was not a good example of that. Let's get to the good of this team. Jimmy Garoppolo, solid game. Elijah Mitchell, solid game. Debo Samuel, wide receiver one level type game. Yes. Um, D Ford, two really great pass rush reps. One leads to a pick six. One is a sack. Nick Bosa had had a hell of a day. Kudos to the offensive line as well for the 49ers. Trent's always going to be Trent, but Lincoln had a really good day, even though Shanahan said 51% of the muffed fumble to start the first uh, possession with the 49ers was 51% of it was Alex Mack's fault, but veteran guy like himself literally did not affect him a single moment in the game. Just literally, you know, as soon as he got back on the field for that second series, forgot about it, essentially. Front skill had a really good day, especially in the run game, and and same with Mike McGlinchey. Front skill and McGlinchey were the only two that did allow one pressure and uh, no sacks. I believe that sack of Garoppolo was, was tallied to George Kittle, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, or it might have been Elijah Mitchell. I think it was Kittle. But... Yeah, because Kittle's supposed to have the edge, but yeah, he went to go block down inside. Yep. That was his normal responsibility, so it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, safety blitz as well. It wasn't an edge rusher. It was a safety blitz. Yeah. Let's talk about Elijah Mitchell. Wow. 19-104 and a touchdown. We all, we just talked about Raheem Moster and his importance to this offense, but Elijah Mitchell showed what we saw in college. Great burst. What I was surprised with was his physicality at the point of attack, his, physica- his ability to run through tackles, arm tackles, break some tackles, just keep his legs moving and fall forward. Very, very rarely do we see him fall backwards or make, uh, you know, lose yardage. I think he took one big hit in the hole, but he got right back up. Um, Elijah Mitchell was very impressive. The Niners found something there. And as always, they find something late in the draft, you know, with these running backs, whether it's undrafted free agent or a late round pick. Absolutely. And like when you think of Elijah Mitchell, you don't essentially think of someone who's a guy that's going to run through a middle of the defense in between the guards. But yet Elijah Mitchell did that. He had... Uh, a 10-yard carry when running in between the center and the guard, left guard, I should say. And then he had another 20-yard carry when he ran in between the the center and the right guard. And then he had a 23-yard carry when he took it around George Kittle on the on you know the right end of that offensive line. So you're seeing a mixture uh, of his you know of a bag essentially with Elijah Mitchell. He's not a, a one one play cat he can run in between the guards and that's just huge for a rookie with a 4-4 speed at 5-11 that's just not looking to just get me outside of the tight end get me outside of the tackle he's no he's like I'll do whatever you tell me to do boss and you want me to run and be you know right next to the center I'm gonna run right next to the center and put up you know 20 yard carry here um so that's what you like to see with Elijah Mitchell usually like you wouldn't be too surprised if you're getting that kind of rep from a first round running back. Say if it was Najee Harris in this offense doing that, you'd be like, okay, yeah, he's supposed to do that. 
this is what he was expected to do. But the fact that you're seeing Elijah Mitchell do that, who was a sixth-round pick of this team, literally all 32 teams passed up on an Elijah Mitchell before the 49ers decided to go ahead and select him, and he's looking like a hell of a player, a hell of a player. And like what you said, it's more Raheem Moster-S to where he's not going down essentially on the first contact, like say a Matt Breida would. Uh, and someone with his speed, that's what you enjoy to where he can have that 4-4 speed, but yet he's not an easy takedown. And he's actually pretty, pretty built for his size. He, he's not, you know, a slender man out there at the running back position, or he's not as as small as uh, that cat from uh, from the Chicago Bears. They're, they're a running back, too, over there that had the season-ending injury. Tariq Cohen, there we go. I, I yeah. figure when I just talk about him a little more, the name's going to pop in my head. Uh, so he's not as small as a as a Tariq Cohen, but yet he could do a whole lot a whole lot more damage when running the ball. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had seven attempts to the right side of the offensive line for 64 yards and a touchdown, and then uh, left side, wide left, with seven attempts for 27 yards. So this outside zone fits him well. He was explosive on those runs. He looked very very good. The Niners have found something with this six round pick, and they're going to need him to perform. And they're also going to need Trey Sermon to perform. And they're going to need to Michael Hasty per- to perform. Um, what do they do with another running back position? Maybe they bring someone else in. But I think they feel comfortable with those three backs. And Jeff Wilson is on the mend. He should be back by week six or you know week eight. So that's a plus to get him back. Hopefully the Niners can survive these first six weeks with just these three backs without having to go into the well of uh free agency or just other you know poaching guys over off other practice squads so no do johnson from jacksonville uh i mean you're a miami guy i guess i mean they have seven million dollars of cap to play with the last thing Bring you want to do Lindsay. Ooh, it, but he's trade, in, a trade, trade in a trade super cheap seventh round pick to send it okay oh i'd be down philip Lindsay in this yeah. offense i'd be down Exactly. 100%. It fits perfectly. The other good, Debo Samuel. Absolute stud yesterday. Outside of his fumble, he had himself a hell of a day. Debo, nine receptions on 12 targets, 189 yards, and a touchdown. Had he not fumbled, you know, he likely is the... I mean, he's probably still the player of the game, but he's definitely getting some player of the game recognition if that was if he didn't fumble that that last reception he made. Um, Debo heard all the chatter. He's a extension of the run game. He's a glorified running back. No, this is what we talked about and what I've been harping on with, with Debo Sam. He's more than that. He's going to be able to get down the field. You know, Debo Samuel, his average yards of separation was 3.98 according to next-gen stats. The average for the league is 2.87 yards. Mm-hmm. He literally had a yard more than the average. And yes, a lot of it was schemed open, but a lot of it is, is his route running, his ability to to get off the line of scrimmage and beat guys to to his point where he needs to get to in the, in the route tree. And if you go look at next gen stats uh, with some of these charts, Debo's route tree was absolutely beautiful. Um, so he's more than just this jet sweep, push pass type of receiver. He's going to be able to get down the field, run those drift routes, run those deep posts, give Jimmy Garoppolo a really good target to throw to. Um, I thought he had a hell of a game. He was really good in the run blocking. 
uh, and even blocking for George Kittle on, on four of his receptions. So Debo gives you everything. I would like to see a little bit more Ayuk, but we'll get to that later. But Debo had himself a hell of a game. What I like about Debo is just this this game is seeing him downfield, seeing him in the third tier of a defense trying to break those tackles compared to having to get past the first tier to the second tier, then in the third tier. It's just a lot more work for the man, and that's what I enjoyed. With Debo Samuel, It's you weren't just like kidding yourself when you watched yesterday's game while you listen to this, the game will be two days ago on Sunday to where you felt like Debo was getting targeted downfield a whole lot more than what you felt last season. Well, that's because it's true. Last year, Debo Samuel was targeted on routes 10 yards or more eight times on Sunday. He was targeted on routes 10 yards or more five times. So literally just three less targets downfield of 10 yards or more three times less compared to all his games that he played last season, all the routes he ran last season. It was literally just three less in one single game. So he's probably going to accomplish that here against the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and that's what I get excited about seeing him in the third tier of the defense and trying to break those tackles. And look what happens when you get Debo downfield, he can't separate and run it in for a touchdown and he showed that yesterday. This this isn't a guy that you need to get on a jet, jet sweep and get 10 yards, get 15 yards, get 20 yards. This is a guy you could throw the ball to 15 yards down the field, and now you ended up with a 30-yard play with a whole lot less uh, body of work on Debo's body than you would if you're handing it to him, say, two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Now you're Now you're exercising his body a whole lot more than 15 yards downfield. Yeah, and we know Debo's physical, right? We don't need him to prove it every play. So these jet sweeps and push passes, yeah, they're nice. It's cool to use them, but use them sparingly. And I, I liked how they used them. They only did it twice with him. Um, no, they did it three times with him uh, on Sunday, and the rest were more down the field. He ran, you know, like I said, he had 12 targets, Yeah, most of which were past 10 yards. or Yeah, most of which were past 10 and, you, you know, you put out the number there. So Debo Samuel had himself a hell of a game. Uh, D Ford, Nick Bosa, both looked back healthy and spry. D Ford more so, I thought, had himself a nice game. Nine pass rush snaps, six pressures, one sack. One of those pressures led to a pits, pick six by Drake Greenlaw. So we felt the immediate impact of a healthy D Ford. That was absolutely necessary. And we felt the effect of a healthy Nick Bosa who did not have the sack numbers that you would have liked, but you have the pressure numbers there. He was held quite a bit. I thought he was beating Sewell like a drum to the point where Bosa's jersey was was ripped uh, significantly after all those holds that he had against Sewell. Sewell was getting his butt kicked um, in this game. Crazy Hope. for a rookie, huh? To, to not get the holding calls against you, like his first ever yeah, NFL like, what is that? game. Like, I hope, I hope. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to say call the flag all the damn time, but I hope there's a little bit more calls here in the next couple of weeks with this holding stuff because, yes, we know Nick Bosa is really, really good, but come on, yeah, it you got to call some. Yeah, stuff. it just sets up for a, a bad tendency uh, against a star player and. 
you just you don't want to get in get in that realm to where it's kind of what you've heard of Cam Newton over the past few years of oh Cam Newton he's such a big quarterback that they're they're not throwing that that excessive 15 yard um roughing the passer I guess when he runs downfield as a runner they they were reluctant to throw that on Cam Newton but yet if if say a smaller guy like Derek Carr was running downfield and a defender comes in and and hits him while he's trying to slide. Derek Carr gets that penalty 10 out of 10 rather than Cam Newton didn't. And that's what I don't want to happen to Nick Bosa is everyone knows how big he is, how strong he is, how great he is to where it's, Oh, there's a little slight hold, but it's Nick Bosa. So he, you know, he, he's probably fine. Probably didn't affect him too much compared to if you had, you know, a, a rotational guy in there get held like that, then it's like, okay, then I might throw the flag. I don't know if I'm just overthinking this process. I'm, I just do not want it to be a bad tendency to where Nick Bosa's getting held every game. No, I don't think you have a bad thought process on it. I think it makes a lot of sense because some guys don't get these calls. We've seen it repeatedly in the NFL with players and how they do things. But those two guys were absolutely outstanding on Sunday uh, let's get to Jimmy Garoppolo. We spoke enough about the quarterback situation all offseason and right leading up to the season, rightfully so, because it was the most important position. It still remains the most important position. Jimmy Garoppolo, the word that I would use for his day is efficient. Nothing spectacular, nothing bad, but absolutely efficient. 17 uh, of 25. Yeah, 17 of 25, 314, one touchdown. I want to say he was five of five on passes 15 yards or deeper. Um, So good. Jimmy showed up after the fumble to start the game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo had three dumb throws, one of which should have been picked off. The one that George Kittle got, that got popped up in the air. And then the other two were just, uh, one was the throw behind Debo on third and four with six minutes left. And there was another one deeper that was slightly behind that was dropped earlier on in the game. But overall, Jimmy Garoppolo looked r- pretty good. And Albert Breer wrote a piece. He had spoken to Jimmy Garoppolo after postgame on Sunday. He just spoke about how Jimmy Garoppolo was seeing, the, seeing things. He's, and I quote, it felt slower out there today, and that's always a good thing. I think... With Jimmy Garoppolo, my whole issue with him was physically he's going to be who he is, right? That's just, he's 30 years old. This is what it's going to look like for the rest of his career. Could he improve mentally? And he spoke about the mental aspect of the game when he spoke to Albert Breer uh, postgame. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is understanding the offense much better, then that's beneficial for the Niners, right? If he understands what he's seeing post, pre and post snap, that's going to be very beneficial for the 49ers. So we're going to need to see more of that. Now, this is the Detroit Lions defense we're talking about here. So maybe it looks slower because they're bad. But I'm going to give him a little, I'm going to give him, shoot him some bail here. If he's thinking, if he's thinking like this, that's a positive. Um, he also did mention that Kyle was on fire with the play calling. He was really in his zone. So if your coach is in line with the quarterback and the quarterback's in line with the coach, that's a complete positive. But if I'm going to nitpick him, Third and forward, six minutes to go. You have to hit that pass at Debo. Don't throw it behind him. Put it where he can catch it and run and end that game with six minutes. Because if you end the game, if you convert on third and forward, six minutes to go, you don't see those last six minutes of the game where you put Dante Johnson on an island 
and Jared Goff starts picking him apart and you don't get the onside kick that hits Kittle in the face, you likely get the clock down to three or two minutes. Detroit gets the ball back. Niners are probably up 44 to 17 or 49 to 17. The game's completely out of hand. It's over. You got to convert late third downs. A better team might come back all the way to win that game. Man, if I'm nitpicking, I may say, what the hell is George Kittle doing on the hands team? At least right there in that position. Like, if I'm nitpicking, I saw I saw them do that in the joint practices against the Chargers. They did practice the onside kick, and, you know, they had the hands team out there, and I saw George Kittle in that same exact position in the joint practice. And even then, I thought to myself, why the hell is George Kittle on the hands team? Ross Dwelly is nowhere near the tight end of George Kittle, but Ross Dwelly has better hands than George Kittle. I like Brandon Ayuk's catch radius. And if we're talking about hands, Brandon Ayuk's not worse at catching, albeit the, you know, the drops in the preseason, still not worse at catching than George Kittle. Like, why isn't Brandon Ayuk in that position? Why George Kittle? He, he he's had a, a little bit of the yips the past couple seasons and, I don't know. I I just had a question to it. We saw what happened in in an NFC championship game when the Green Bay Packers decided to go ahead and put their tight end out there for an onside kick against the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm glad it wasn't this situation, but maybe we could learn from it and put a Brandon Ayuk instead of a George Kittle right there. And I'll be all for that 10 out of 10. I would even, even for Jimmy Ward, maybe putting him right there. Um, Okay. Now, now I'm getting a little too far. My head will, saying Jimmy Ward but yeah there, there is you know we can nitpick that that third down play from Jimmy Gravel but he also did show a, an ability to kind of extend plays he yeah. he, he didn't yeah. circle around and see ghosts like week one against the Arizona Cardinals last year he actually extended plays whether it turned into a Russell Wilson extended play or Jimmy Garoppolo extended play like that's a different discussion. These guys are two different quarterbacks, but hell, he extended plays to where he didn't get sacked. Could have been an eight-yard play, but instead it wasn't. And that's where I was really, really satisfied with Jimmy Garoppolo's play besides the downfield throw. I'm so happy he took that shot to Debo Samuel. Sometimes as a quarterback, you got to let your receivers work and find the ball in the air because in the NFL, a receiver is going to be generally better at tracking the ball in the air than a DB would unless a DB is like a Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, someone who could play both sides of the ball, that's different, but there's not many Jalen Ramsey's in the NFL. And that showed with Debo Samuel able to get back to the ball, snag it in and, you know, take it in for a touchdown. And that's what I would like to see out of Jimmy Garoppolo more on third down plays. Let your receiver make a play. That's something we've seen Russell Wilson do for years in Seattle. And he even did that on Sunday to where he just literally picked a spot in the end zone and threw it up for Tyler Lockett and Tyler Lockett ran down the ball and, and, you know, made a play with it. Uh, And that's what I would like to see with with Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously it's not going to be the same style as a Russell Wilson, but he could do it in his own way. And he showed that on Sunday. And that's what I'm really, really, really happy to see at least Jimmy Garoppolo hitting these guys on dig routes. Yeah. A lot of it was still in the middle of the field, how this offense was designed, but he executed it. He looked, he looked like a, a good Jimmy Garoppolo from 2019. 
like when Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game in 2019, that's what he looked like. He was far better than any single game he played in 2020 on Sunday by far better than any single game he played. So that just tells me he's getting better. He's not staying, you know, 2020 Jimmy Garoppolo. No, he's actually getting better. And, and I credit the salt and pepper hair as probably like he's maturing now, huh? The little salt and pepper mm-hmm. in his hair is making him mature a little bit. Uh, uh, your guy Fern, he, you know, he's, he's channeling his inner Fern and, and look at, look at, you know, things are happening. Things are happening. So credit salt and pepper. I wish the salt and pepper would have came in 2019, at least a little bit, but maybe, you know, provide some good luck. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, salt and pepper, baby. The movement on third down was, was a, a nice, a nice add to Jimmy. Um, you know, Jimmy made the game winning play, completing the pass at Debo. He fumbles. All in all, like I said, I, I efficient is the term for the quarterback play. I'm not ready to give him like some super high praise. Like this stuff, what we saw, what we saw yesterday was, you know, what we saw 2019, 2020. We saw a little bit of it too in, in some games, but he will be fine if this is what we're going to get from him. Okay, cool. Sure. But my worry is, did you watch Stafford? Did you watch Kyler? And did you watch Russell? Like, do we have enough? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) We don't have enough. Like, like, why do we? I don't think we're going to fire Bobby. Like, why do we? I know, but we got to talk about the NFC West as a whole. We need more from the quarterback. That's all I'm saying. Cool, he was efficient, but Jimmy, I need more from you. I need more than what Kyle is scheming up for you, and I need you to take those shots further down the field. Yes, you did fail. You did really well on Sunday. That was that was a dart. We're going to need more. Perfect throw. Yeah, that was not a perfect throw. <laughs> so this week we're going to bring back the buy, lease, or walk off the lot. Leo, you're up, man. You started off. I'd like to remind everyone, buying is obviously, I'm going to say, three years. Lease is just this season. Walking off the lot is basically saying you don't see this guy as a contributor for this season. So what are you doing with Elijah Mitchell? I am buying all the stock in Elijah Mitchell. I I was into it when they made the selection. Um, oh, so so you're getting he an gets, Elijah Mitchell for you and an Elijah Mitchell for the wife. You get correct. The wife got an Elijah Mitchell. The the wife got a new car Saturday. So <laughs> shout out to her. But yeah, I'm I'm buying all the Elijah Mitchell stock here. I the minute the minute Moster went down, I went right to my fantasy team and did the waiver claim because I was going to lose that week anyway. So I'm probably going to get first waiver choice. Added Mitchell on all my teams. He gives you everything you need. Outside zone, inside traps. Um, we didn't get to see him catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't. We don't know about his hands. But even if he doesn't go over 100 yards the rest of the way, if he's giving you 60, 70 yards out of the backfield consistently, that's a win. That is a big, that's a massive win for the 49ers and this offense. So, yes, I am buying all the Elijah Mitchell stock for this year, next year, and going forward. Let's keep it in the 49ers running back room. Healthy scratch. Trey Sermon. Are you going to buy, lease, or walk the lot on him? The player I'm buying, the reason Kyle Shanahan gave me, I'm walking. I'm not buying what Kyle's selling with that. He was the third or fourth best running back um, coming out of camp. If that's the case, Kyle, why was he RB1 or RB2? Against the Chiefs. 
Talk why was he RB2 against Talk the Chargers? Why was he RB2 against the Raiders? Something happened. The rumor is he was late for, you know, he had he was past curfew Saturday night. If that's true, okay, cool. You want to be dis, you know, when you want to have disciplinary action, by all means, of course. But don't just don't don't lie about the nonsense. Like we we know how to go back and watch a game because Sermon looked good against the Raiders, did he not? He did. He did. He looked good against the Chargers, right? He did. He didn't look well, great he against the Chiefs. He, did, he, he didn't play the Chargers. He didn't play the Chargers. Oh, he didn't play. That's right. But you mm-hmm. saw him in practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. He looked good in practice. You yes. were there. Yes. So, Kyle, I'm not buying what you're selling. So, no, I'm absolutely walking off the lot. I'm going to go and just wait for you to to uh, put that one on discount, Kyle. But I'm, I am buying the player. Like, I like the vehicle. I didn't like the salesperson. Ooh. Ooh. You know way too much about that. Um. I wonder if you're going to like the salesperson on this one. You have Brandon Ayuk. There was a little bit of a of a hamstring issue, and that's why he was mixed in 50-50 with Trent Sherfield. But I'll, you know, mid-hamstring issue, he was still able enough to return punts. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's the smartest thing. I guess if you're returning a punt, the majority of the time, you're you're going to elect for a fair catch anyways. So that may be his reasoning. I'm not sure. Uh, but I guess the hamstring issue was serious enough that Kyle Shanahan thought he should be in a 50-50 role with Trent Sherfield. Are you buying this logic? Or are you leasing it? Or are you walking the lot on, on Kyle Shanahan's explanation of Brandon Ayuk's usage? I am also walking the lot on this one. Reason being... I had listened to Matt Mayoko a couple weeks ago on his podcast, and then you follow Matt Mayoko on Twitter or any other social media. Matt Mayoko, yeah, on Sunday, after a hot start to training camp, Brandon Ayuk tailed off dramatically. He's still learning how to be a pro. Kyle Shanahan clearly favors some of the other wide receivers right now. Message sent. Kyle, stop playing with your smarter fan base. <laughs> If Ayuk is dealing with a hamstring, you are not sending him out there to return punts. If he's dealing with a hamstring, you are not giving him 20 offensive snaps. You didn't target him. Message sent. Ayuk, you need to be better. You need to be a better pro. If Sherfield beats you out or perform better than you did at the back end of training camp, then that's on Ayuk. But Kyle, don't call it an injury when it's not. Because if it was, he would not be returning punts. He's your best wide receiver on this team. I love Debo Samuel. I really do. But Ayuk is your best natural route runner, best natural uh, wide receiver. Stop playing with your smarter fan base. We know what this is. He knows we're smart. He knows we know we can read through all this nonsense. So, yes, I'm walking off the lot and ignoring my salesman, Kyle Shanahan, on this one. (laughs) I just have a hard time believing that. Kyle Shanahan's going to have Brandon Ayuk in there for over 20 snaps and not target him once. Kyle Shanahan, when he wants to get someone the ball, he will get that person the ball. So I just have a really hard time of Brandon Ayuk having 20-plus snaps in a game and receiving zero targets in a Kyle Shanahan schemed off. I just have a hard time, uh, you know, time believing that. But let's let's move on. Efficient Jimmy Garoppolo. 
starts all 17 games and wins the division for the 49ers after what you've seen from the other NFC West teams this weekend, Cardinals over the Titans. Uh, You had the Seahawks over the Colts. Both those teams were playoff teams last year. Hell, even the last one, the Rams over the Bears, who were a playoff team, although that is obviously the weakest one uh, of the playoff teams. An efficient Jimmy Garoppolo that we saw on Sunday starts all 17 games and wins the 49ers the division. Are you buying, leasing, or walking? I am walking. Why? I'm going to refer to Jimmy Garoppolo as the car. I like the car, right? The exterior of the car. I like the car. Jimmy Garoppolo is that car. He's your efficient quarterback. He's going to allow you to score points. Prius, good gas mileage. No, I mean, sure. Not, not, I, not, I a, lot, say, not a lot of horsepower. I would say I would say Camry, right? <laughs> SE Camry, right? This is an SE Camry. Jimmy Garoppolo is the is the vehicle itself. What I don't like is the accessories. And what I mean by accessories, the cornerback position. Got it. Right? Jimmy can do his own thing on our side of the offense. But guess what? Russell, Stafford, and Kyler are going to do their thing too. While we might have the Camry, Stafford, Russell, and uh, Kyler might be a Tundra, 4x4, V8. With all the bells and whistles on it, we got the Camry SE. Now I need I need Trey Lance to be like the TRD Pro Tacoma, and we might be evenly matched here. Mm-hmm. So it's just yes, I'm buying I, I I'm buying the car, but I will buy the car when they get the proper accessories on it. Right, I, I'll wait a little bit. So I'm gonna wait on this one to see what we do at corner. Because to win the division, it's not just going to be on Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It's going to be on this defense, this run game, how these corners respond, what happens there. But Jimmy, if if we're going to get efficient Jimmy, we have a chance. After one game, this is definitely premature. But after one game, are we buying, selling, or excuse me, buying, leasing, or walking the lot on D'Amico's defense? I'm going to lease it. The run defense, scary. The adjustments, he didn't make them. The cornerbacks, what the hell? Fred Warner in zone most of the game, that didn't make sense. Can D'Amico make the proper adjustments? That is the hope. So I'm going to lease D'Amico right now. If I like it, then I buy out the lease and let him, you know, keep him him around a little bit longer. This isn't, I mean, I'm not saying fire D'Amico or anything like that. It's just. You want to see more. Robert Sala, Robert Sala gave you the keys to a Ferrari. I need to see more. From D'Amico, right? D'Amico was the linebackers coach and he had, you know, those linebackers were the best group of the team since he's been the linebacker coach. So the the miscommunication on the back end, just the, just the overall performance of the defense just didn't give me a lot of hope, right? After one week. Mm-hmm. And it's the Detroit Lions. It's just frustrating. And I think the biggest thing is just the cornerback position that really, really reeked in the run defense. So I'm going to lease this one with an option to buy later, but leasing right now is probably the best option. I like that answer. Buy, lease, or walk the lot on D'Amador Lenore. As cornerback two, I should specify. Oh, I'm buying As cornerback two. As cornerback two. How about this? I'm going to lease D'Amador Lenore for this season as CB2 playing the outside, but I'm going to buy that lease out for 2022 when he takes over for K1 Williams in the slot. Okay. Talk about it. Because he, we know he can play both. 
mm-hmm. and we know they'd probably rather have him play the slot than play outside. He did play slot forward. this game. He did play slot this game when they he brought did. Ambry Thomas in. Uh, Diamador Lenore actually went into the nickel corner role rather than staying mm-hmm. on the outside the entire game. So you're on the right track here. So I lease him as CB2 on the outside. And I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy out that lease for 2022 when he's playing slot corner for the 49ers. And K1 is no longer here. I don't think K1 will be back next year just because you know guys get up in age. He's got he's got previous knee issues, and uh, Lenore looks to be everything that we hoped Ambry Thomas would be. Right. Mm-hmm. So lease for the year. Lease for 2021. Buy it out for next year as the nickel corner for the 49ers. Okay, let's talk about the other rook. We saw some action from him week one, Ambry Thomas. Man, it's like, I don't, it's, I, I know you're not going to walk the lot on this. So buy, lease, or, or walk the lot. It it wasn't pretty when he was out there. I'm going to walk the lot on this one. Ooh, you're, you're just. And by walking you, the lot, you can probably get me back in. You know, you, mm-hmm. you give me a follow-up call or something. Mm-hmm. But Quintus Cephas is beating you. These uh, these guys who are non-factors on any other team are, are working you. Doesn't turn his head around in time. All right. You know, maybe if he up, he's got to upgrade. He needs to. He needs the refresh. You know, as they call in the car business, when it comes to a body style, he needs a refresh, and he needs probably to redshirt this year. What it's, this is what it looks like, but you can't redshirt him because you're so thin at corner because you didn't. The Niners front office didn't do their job the right way. Mm-hmm. And address the cornerback position earlier than they should have, or than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to walk the lot, but you can probably get me back in on an appointment to where I might be interested in again. He's got to show something. There's a reason he was drafted where he was drafted. He did play well in college in spurts. You know, we were talking about him being potentially being on Emmanuel Mosley mm-hmm. early on in the offseason because he was playing well. And then I don't know where it just kind of fell off a cliff. You're not seeing it. Is he not fast enough? Is he not? understanding these concepts or whatever it is. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk the lot right now on this one. We're going to go ahead and look forward to next week. Are you going, this is, you know, either you're either buying here. Lease is not available. This is a rental. So it's okay. a rental because it's a, it's literally game day. So it's a rental there. There's no other future Uh-oh. beyond it. So are you going to buy it? <laughs> or are you going to walk the lot? 49ers defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, I'm buying this one. I think the the Niners can beat the Eagles. And yes, it concerns me, our cornerback position, but I think our offense can exploit that Eagles defense. Mm-hmm. You know, George Kittle last year against this Eagles team, 15 receptions, 15 targets, 183 yards. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan pinpoints on linebackers better than anybody. And we saw that early against Detroit. Pin down on these linebackers, take advantage of them, control the clock that way. I think the Niners will be able to run against this team. Um, my concern would be on the offensive side for us is uh, can our interior hold up against Fletcher Cox and how does McGlinchey look against uh, Brandon Graham? So those would be my questions. But yeah, I'm absolutely buying the Niners win this game. The The line was four. It went down to three and a half. I think it'll go back up to four, maybe four and a half um, by time game time shows up. Depending on what happens with the Niners at corner, the Niners should win this game. I'm not saying easily or anything like that. I just think they should win this game by six, seven points. I, I, I'm just not, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. They beat up on a bad Atlanta team. To me, 
this is a winnable game and the Niners need to keep pace, right? Because the Seahawks play Tennessee, Arizona has to play the Vikings, and I think the Rams play the Bucks. So the Niners have the easiest game of the four. So you need to keep pace in this NFC West. So you have to start out 2-0 and and hope one of these other teams lose a game, whether that be the Cardinals, the Rams, or the Seahawks. I think the one that's most likely to lose is probably the Rams because the Bucks did look impressive against the Cowboys. So, yeah, I'm buying the Niners winning this week. The last thing before we get out of here, Trey Lance, his usage. Ah, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what are we doing? You know, I, I don't like uh, quoting Grant Cohn because he, he brings a negative connotation to the fan base, but he has, he has, he had a point in his questioning today. Mm-hmm. He asked Kyle Shanahan, uh, QB Trey Lance had four snaps against the Lions, three runs, one pass. I understand you're doing what gives you the best chance to win, but you also have to balance that with Lance, the long-term de- term development. Why do you feel that using him the way you did or used him against Detroit is the best way to develop him as a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan responds rather snarkly. Is that a real word, snarkly? Or just with some type of attitude, you know, he's like... Snarky? Because I think getting a guy any playing time... Yeah, snarky, there we go. Kyle says, because I think getting a guy any playing time when he's the number two quarterback helps his development more than getting no playing time. Kyle, knock it off. You spent three first-round picks on this kid. And you want him to throw one pass for five yards for a touchdown and then run three read options slash draw plays that gain nothing. That's not helping his development for those four snaps were meaningless in the full spectrum of his development. You want to get him live reps, give him the live reps. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. Jimmy Garoppolo understands the situation. He said as much, he's admitted as much in public articles with Albert Brewer. Everyone go check out, Albert Brewer's piece from Monday. Jimmy understands the situation, right? If you can dial up these Jimmy gimmies for Jimmy, you can do the same thing for Trey. He needs these reps. He's not going to get better by sitting on the bench and or running these read option plays that are not even in rhythm of the offense when they came in, which is what we've discussed the entire time. This two quarterback system doesn't work. It's not going to work because both these guys are rhythmic passers and they need to be in rhythm to get, you know, this offense needs to be in rhythm to get those RPO read option things to work with Trey Lance. It was successful with with Colin Kaepernick because they would run stuff off of that, that look, that fake read option, that fake RPO. They would run stuff off it. You can't just say, oh, Jimmy's in for one play or two plays. Okay, we're going to bring in Trey for third and three. The defense is looking for the run. It doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work the way you think it's going to work, Kyle. You're the offensive genius that we all think you are, and that's your response. That doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like, just who gives? I want to. I want to use the S word here, but who gives a crap <laughs> about what people think? Like, if you're worried about hurting somebody's ego, you already did that. You took the kid third overall. You made somebody mad in the locker room with that decision. So you might as well just do this and get this kid his snaps, right? Mm-hmm. Mac Jones played, Zach Wilson played, Trevor Lawrence played, Justin Fields played, and Trey Lynn. They all played, but Trey needs these reps. He's the they one with the least touchdown. experience. They all scored touchdowns. Like, what are we doing? And if we're being honest about it, Trey Lance needs to hurry up with his development because we just said it. 
buying that are we going to buy that the Niners are winning the division with Jimmy Garoppolo? Efficient Jimmy? It's possible. But you but need it's more likely that Stafford, you need more accessories. Yeah, it's more, you need all the accessories on that car. With Stafford and, and Kyler and Russ, they are the car and the accessories. If Trey can be the car and the accessories, then we're in business. But we're not there yet. It's just it's frustrating, especially after week one. I, I know I usually don't overreact to stuff, but really watching Kyler, Stafford, and Russ do what they did on Sunday and then watching what we did, meh. <laughs> um, meh. Yeah. Um, with Trey Lance, I, I feel like a lot of NFL fans pointed the finger and laughed at Taysom Hill every time he was in and and everything that they've done when Drew Brees was over there for the Saints and now seeing Trey Lance week one get used in a Taysom Hill like way just uh just scratches your head to where what does quarterback do for for Trey Lance's development I know you say you know a rep is better than no rep well our quarterback for the next 15 years is running quarterback power one if something happens one if something happens to his throwing shoulder just to get him a rep in quarterback power, quarterback dive. Especially if you do that, literally, what what did he do that? Three plays in a row at one point when Trey Lance was in? I'm not saying, you know, three consecutive plays. I'm talking about when Trey Lance was in, behind center, you saw quarterback power or quarterback dive. Those were the either two, if you take out the, the touchdown pass. The defense knows what you're doing at that point, and... If you do something else with Trey Lance, then it's like, okay, I'm in. I'm bought in. You know, you want to get Trey Lance rep here, and he's going to do an RPO, read pass option. You don't know if he's going to hand the ball off. You don't know if he's going to run it, or you don't know if he's going to pass it. That's why he threw Trey Lance in the red zone, and that's why they scored a touchdown, because he passed it. He didn't run quarterback power. Like, what was the efficiency when Trey Lance ran quarterback power? He did not get a, a single first down. He did not get a single rush over 10 yards. Can we just take this out of Trey Lance's development, please? Because honestly, it's not a development. Let's get him some RPOs. If he's able to run off an RPO, cool. But don't just show me Trey Lance in there just to show me Trey Lance in there. You're not doing anything for the kid if you're just going to run the same two plays when he's in. You need to run more than that. More than that. And especially when you play against these better defenses. And on the touchdown, they're they're in the pistol. You got the motion with uh, Kittle across the field, and then the you know the fake handoff. It freezes four players. Yep, because the threat of the run, those four freeze, and it allows Sherfield to run his. Uh, he it's he ran it. I think it was a zig, whatever it's called. Um, yeah. swirl route. Mm-hmm. And he gets he gets free. There's yeah right, but before that even happens. One, two, three, four, five guys are stuck because they're reading they're reading the, the fake handoff. No one moves because they're frozen. So, Kyle, I'm not buying this nonsense. Oh, yeah, any rep is better than no rep. Like, get out of here, Kyle. Like, just you got to give this kid reps. You got to give this kid time, in the, you know, to learn what an NFL defense looks like. And, you know, my expectation going into the season was not Super Bowl. It wasn't. Let this kid play. Just let him play. If you're going to use him, use him the right way. Quarterback, like, I'm not saying quarterback dive or quarterback power doesn't work at all in the NFL. It works when you're running that guy with your starter, 
not a guy coming in subs and just runs quarterback power quarterback dive that's essentially wildcat and wildcat offense has been out of the nfl for a while now for a reason it just doesn't work anymore so if you want to go ahead and do that with trey lance moving forward you got to trey lance got to be on the field more than just that single play niners did come out with the win 41 33 they do head to philadelphia for week two for those of you guys going to the game everyone be safe Enjoy the game. Philadelphia's a nice place. That is where I'm from. Don't worry about the fan base. You'll be all right. Um, the Niners are staying at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, so they don't have to go all the way back to California. Some things to monitor this week. Javon Kinlaw, his knee. Brandon Ayuk, his hamstring, quote-unquote hamstring. And how Trey Lance gets his reps this week. So those are three things that I'm monitoring this week. Kinlaw specifically. but. uh other than that, this is the oh, hey there. podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow and subscribe everything at Niners Nation Podcast Network. And then, of course, follow myself on Twitter at JavierVague underscore and my guy Leo here at LeoLuna93. And we will be back next week to recap the Eagles uh, and Niners. Until then, everyone stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your week. Go Niners. On to Philly. <laughs>